each one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Hi, folks. Actually, this is not Lynn Woodham. This is Keisha Park, and we've just been having a little bit of sound issues and technical issues, and we're working on getting Lynn in the room. Lynn, are you there? Uh, I'm on my cell as well as the other line. Okay, great. We have you on your cell. A different way to start the show out, but (laughs) we've got you here nonetheless, so let's see if we can fix that little technical bit. And how is that? Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear okay. me okay? Because I am I can on the hear cell. you beautifully, yes. And it looks like uh, Joseph has gotten kicked, so we're just going to let him call back in. And, wow, how does it get even better? <laughs> so, <laughs> if you'll start us off, Lynn, we can certainly get it rolling. So, you bet. Uh, you bet. Take okay, it away, let Lynn. Let me work on getting Joseph back here then. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will do that. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Tisha. You're welcome, hon. So welcome to our show. Uh, It's Tuesday, May the 19th, uh, 2015. Your first opportunity to listen to this show will be tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, May the 20th. Uh, So welcome to our our listeners um, tomorrow and also uh, those who will listen to it into the future. Uh, We're having glorious weather in southern Ontario. Um, We've just passed our May long weekend. And that means that I've been sitting with my horses last weekend. I took three horses and a couple of friends. Then we met some friends at the Sanderash campgrounds on the edge of the Ganaraska Forest, where there are miles and miles of wonderful trails for riding. Uh, the trilliums were blooming. It was just beautiful. Uh, it's wonderful to have friends to share your interests. Um, and uh, they're in holiday mode today, so... And I'm very relaxed, a little bit tired. Uh, however, we've got a really interesting guest today with a wonderful story uh, to share. with 12 children and was enjoying a successful festival when he was called to serve Christ through a dramatic conversion at age 25. This led to an insatiable desire to know the Bible and to be in church whenever the door was open. For the next 20 years, God tremendously prospered Joseph in a series of successful companies that he started and sold profitably. He understood by the scriptures that he needed to help care for his suffering brothers and sisters in Canada and also faraway countries. This led to tens of mission trips, and he that he says were often more vacations that involved visiting churches to support and encourage them. God miraculously and powerfully opened doors to Nicaragua for a mission trip that over the next eight years became a full-time ministry. The Lord allowed Joseph to finance all this by faith without sponsors or any sponsoring church support. Joseph now teaches and preaches throughout the country of Nicaragua with the specific purpose of winning souls for Christ and discipling them. He now lives in Nicaragua and occasionally visits Canada. 
God is blessing the ministry in an amazing way as new Christians and leaders are growing to take place, their places, walking in the Spirit and serving in the ministry. Welcome to the show today, Joseph. How are you? I'm terrific, and I'm so glad to be here today. That's wonderful. So you're the oldest of 12 children. Um, There must be a lot of life lessons that come from that as well. Before we look at what we can learn from Nicaragua, uh, what lesson or comment could you share with us about the dynamics of a large family? Well, being the oldest, you you learn how to take care of others. <laughs> uh-huh. it's, uh, I, I think it's it's a great thing to grow up uh, in an environment like that where you're socially uh, sharing a lot. Uh, you you have people around you all the time, so you you understand what it means to be able to work with other people, to share the resources you have, to care for other people, and you, you'll be closer to some people than you are with others. But uh, mm-hmm. life is a lot better when we share it, and and I certainly learned that early on. That's great. Um, so how did you get started uh, with a ministry in Nicaragua? Well, that's a that's an interesting question. I I had enjoyed a considerable success. The Lord really blessed me with the business. But as as you mentioned earlier, from reading the Bible, I understood that we have brothers and sisters all over the world, and we're one family together as Christians. And I was feeling that, I can't say I had a vision, I didn't hear a particular calling, but I understood from the word that we are responsible for brothers and sisters. And since I felt blessed, I would find myself going on vacations to places like Cuba or Mexico or Guatemala and and working a bit with churches there. But it wasn't difficult stuff, it it was a vacation. And I, more and more, I realized, although I did not speak Spanish, God seemed to be sending me to Spanish places. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go to a Spanish church in Canada, and I thought, you know, they they won't throw me out. They have to love me, and I'll learn conversational <laughs> Spanish. And it turned out to be true. And uh, right. through a series of events, I won't get into the whole story today, although I, I think it's an interesting story, but through a series of events, what happened is the pastor of that church said to me after about 10 months, we're going to uh, we're going on a mission trip uh, with a group uh, from the church, about 25 people, and we're going to go uh, do a project down in Guatemala. Do you want to come with us? I said, absolutely. You know, count me in. Mm-hmm. And things changed a lot. The, the Lord uh, changed that trip. Uh, it didn't end up materializing with Guatemala. And it was an interesting time. And we ended up going to a place we hadn't ever heard of before called Santa Elena, Nicaragua. Okay. And it's a rough uh, it's a rough place. A lot of people don't have electricity, and they don't have running water. They have plastic and cardboard houses, and most people don't have a roof. Uh, and and we ended up there. And I remember my first day meeting a pastor there, and uh, I, I said to him, God must really love you. Uh, you can't believe what we have been through to come to a place we'd never even heard of before. And I said, if mm-hmm. I know anything about God, you must have an interesting story to tell me. How did we get to be here? And he said to me, we don't know anybody in Canada. And he said, we are struggling here. We don't have food. We don't have help. We don't have anybody to turn to. And we decided to fast and pray here for 40 days. And on day 26, a guy came in and said, look, there's a group from Canada wants to come and give you anything you want. (laughs) And uh, through that strange story of God answering the prayer of these people who didn't have any outside contacts, I found myself standing 
in, in this miraculous situation facing a guy who had he literally just prayed with his people to to find help and God answered that prayer and I got to see the story from his point of view of how praying uh, caused God to respond and, and, and brought us there. And as a Canadian, I certainly knew that God had moved tremendously to bring me to a place I'd never even heard of, to, to help people that I didn't know anything about. And I think that mm-hmm. was the beginning of understanding that God can take us places we would never imagine going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said that because I'm I'm a business guy, and uh, and I I like to be a very practical person, intelligent person. I like to use wisdom. And I had been a Christian for a number of years and tried serving God, um, and doing the best I could with that and preaching. But sometimes God takes us beyond, um, I'll say, this world. And there's a point where we really start walking in the spirit and 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 stepping out. And I think Nicaragua, for me, has been that place where uh, we want to walk in wisdom, but God can do things far beyond what we could ever hope to do. And mm-hmm. it certainly changed my life. And as a Canadian, I've learned lessons I never dreamed were possible. Right. So I, I have so many things I'd love to share. I'm not sure how much time we have today, but I, I, I could probably go on and on. <laughs> Well, we've 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 got we've got the better part of the hour. We just have a, a little bit of we've had some breaks for uh, some commercial breaks, but other than we've got um, you know we've got some time for you to tell us some some stories for sure. Um, so tell us about the work in in Nicaragua. What's the focus there? I, I went there specifically to to preach the gospel and and win souls for Christ and disciple people, and I'm, I'm very strict about that. And that is because I see a lot of people with good intentions go down and want to build buildings or have a feeding program. And and I don't know that that, that is a very valuable thing to do um, after having lived there. I think that, for example, as far as building buildings, um, the Nicaraguans know how to build buildings. They don't need us to go down and lay blocks on top of each other. They actually need the work. Um, what right. they need okay. is, is somebody to represent Christ and show them the things they, they don't have in the Holy Spirit. And there are just a ton of organizations down there um, helping in a practical way or helping them to be a little bit wealthier or to eat a little bit better. But I don't know that mm-hmm. there are many people there making a spiritual difference, and I, I think that's tragic. Um, and I fell into that right a bit myself because it's easier to give people money and to buy them things than to change their life. And mm-hmm. I found myself mm-hmm. the first couple of years going down and helping short term, but you didn't really change anybody's life. So you, you might help with medicines or food or try and help them in a material way. But then I mm-hmm. thought, you know, if we really helped them, we made them as rich as we are, then they would then they would just be spiritual lost, but at least they'd be well off. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, I, and I felt the thrill of that and realized, you know, the Jesus was right. The answer is, is internal. It's the Holy Spirit, and that's the thing that's going to make the difference. And I came to believe that and see the power of that um, in a way I'd never really seen in Canada, even though I had preached and worked here. Um, let me give you a small example of that that I experienced early on. I, I mentioned to you I did not speak Spanish very well. Mm-hmm. And there was there was no English in most of the areas I go to. So I found myself preaching to people in Spanish and just torturing the language. It was just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I'm not being modest. It was awful. You know, but these people would sit and, and they would listen with love and with patience. And, and I would be preaching and... Uh, 
the, the crazy thing was at the end, people would receive Christ. And I don't mean they would just come forward and pray. I mean they were in the church the next day. They were being discipled. They they changed their lives. We saw the Holy Spirit make a big difference. And And at night, I would say to God, this is a joke that you sent me here. I, I, everybody in this church can preach better than I do. Even the kids laugh that I that I can't speak the language. And right. I, I feel useless here. In Canada, I have respect. In Canada, I have businesses. I'm somebody. And, and down here, I'm nothing. And the people look at me like I'm a total idiot. And <laughs> and yet, people are getting saved. Is it, Why did you send me here? Is it a joke? And I understand now what most of your listeners understand. And I used to preach it, but I don't think I really understood. God does not need our intelligence. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our great plans. Just our obedience. And and it's like God had to bring me down there to shut me up <laughs> and take my words and my language away and say, now can I finally use you? <laughs> uh, now, we see those yeah. stories in the Bible, but until it happened to me, I don't think... I understood it, and yet I had preached those things earlier. But I still think if right. I preached English, I would have thought that I'm, a, I'm an okay speaker, and people came to Christ because I was able to, to preach well. Or ah. Something. Yeah, there's a difference do? there, isn't there? <laughs> yes, and all of a sudden I yeah. have no contacts. I don't know the language. I have nothing to convince these people. There's no reason for them to follow me. I'm nobody to them. And God was mightily using that. And and I couldn't control it, and and it was it was really baffling and 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 really frustrating for me initially. I was glad to see people coming, but I didn't quite understand how could it be when I couldn't even express myself all well, that that their lives could be changing. But I understand now. If we mm-hmm. step out, God really will come through, and He doesn't need our our talents. He He needs our obedience, and He will work through us. And. Uh, I think that was the, the biggest life lesson I, I got out of all that, is to learn to honestly trust him. And I don't think in Canada I was ever in a spot where I had to trust him so much. Yes, yes. And it's time for us to go for a break now, Joseph, but when we come back, um, I'd like to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, this comparison to to things in Canada. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come back from this uh, message. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm your host, Lynn Wedham. 
uh, with me is my guest, Joseph Johnson, and we've been learning about his work in Nicaragua. Um, now, you know, when you first went to Nicaragua, um, you know, the gentleman said, we've been fasting and praying, um, and someone showed up. That seems in great uh, contrast to, you know, what we would see in Canada. We don't see a lot of people fasting and praying to, um, you know, to get uh, to get their prayers answered. What other differences would you see, uh, you know, and similarity? What's similar? What's different to uh, ministry in Canada? I, I want to say some some positive things, and possibly even what might appear to be some negative things, because I think we we don't always understand what our faith is about or how culture impacts that. Um, one one kind of funny thing, as a Canadian, I, I I didn't realize that we're we can be a little bit cold sometimes, and we're seen as cold by people in passionate countries. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I went down there, one of the things I found interesting was that if you go into a Spanish church. Even while the pastor is speaking down there, people will walk in the church right up to the front and shake hands and talk out loud to each other and how are you doing? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> man, I I couldn't believe that. I said to them, you know, in Canada, if you came to our churches, um, we you know that's the house of God and we have kind of a reverence for the house of God and you know people will pray. But if you your phone goes off, the pastor's liable to tell you to turn your phone off. I said we, you know, we mm-hmm. we just have reverence in the in the church. And uh, but I have to tell you, I, I used to tell them that uh, a little while ago. I had after visiting Canada again. I, I said, "Well, things are changing. I think Jesus is coming soon, but things are changing, and maybe the church is not as strong as it used to be." But I said, "I have to apologize. Uh, in Canada, it isn't the reverence there used to be. <laughs> Sometimes they even drink uh, coffee in church. <laughs> so oh, yeah. there are some yeah. global things that we see changing. But it's true that that we have more of a reverence, I would say, in Canada for the church." And uh, where they see it as a, a warm, friendly place. So they would look at us and say, boy, those Canadians are cold, you know, they're not so friendly. And we would say, well, the church isn't a place where you all sit talking and socializing. We're, we're coming to meet God. Um, so mm-hmm. they, they see it a little bit differently. And it's hard to say which side is right or wrong. They're, di- they're just different. Uh, right. The Spanish as well. Uh, when I was there, I was impressed that they are in church commonly Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday which certainly mm. impressed me. And there, the whole family goes, and they are really into it. And, and a service there can last, well, even all night. They call them vigilias, and they'll have church till 6 in the morning. And I run a lot of them. Wow. Down. So we have these churches, services that start at 6 at night, and it goes to 6 in the morning. And they love it. But <laughs> it, I soon learned that, yes, uh, sometimes they're on fire for Christ, but, you know, the truth is a lot of times in that culture, there's nothing else to do. Mm. So people go to church mm-hmm. and celebrate who don't even believe in God. Mm. So we we have to be careful that we, we don't miss who Christ is and the Holy Spirit and, and lose track of things and get involved in the church. I, I was living there a couple of years before I really understood the impact of that, that everybody in church was not a Christian and some of them just went there because it was it was entertaining and there's there simply isn't anything else to do in the whole town except mm-hmm. go to church. So everything revolves around the church. Okay. So it's their social network as well. 
It is. I, I didn't realize how strong that is in Canada until I went away and came back. And I, and I think uh-huh. sometimes we can, we can fall into that too. And I think that yeah. we we sometimes have to question, are we, are we enjoying a great relationship with Jesus or are we just going to church? Um, I found mm-hmm. I, I worked very hard in the first couple of years to be Nika, to learn to eat and live like them. And I don't live in a separate community. I, I live among the Nikas. I, I eat like them and I, I speak Spanish and I, I do everything they do. In the first couple of years, I worked hard on that, and I found myself later saying to them, I don't want to be Nika, but I don't want to be Canadian either. I want to die to myself, put that on the cross, and I want to live the same culture as Jesus, and our culture hasn't changed in 2,000 years. We, mm-hmm. we have to love mm-hmm. people and help people, and it doesn't matter what language you speak and how you do it. And I think that was a real awakening for me, personally, mm-hmm. to, to realize you don't have to catch up on the culture. Just love them. Mm. And, and, mm-hmm. and culture really doesn't change the way we love people and care for them. Um, so I think we, right. we sometimes attribute too much to culture. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that um, ministering in Nicaragua has taken you to places you never imagined. Um, you went there to help people. Um, how has it how has it enriched your life? I would never felt so protected and loved by God as I, as I do now. As a as a Canadian, and I'll say particularly a, a, a white guy walking around in Nicaragua, I'm the obvious stranger. Uh, I'm the only one mm-hmm. who looks like I do down there. Uh, there is no money. Uh, the police don't well not in to go go into a lot of the neighborhoods I go to, and they're very poor and they're and they're rough, and they don't go out at night. So I frequently uh, have to walk around at night alone, and I have seen the protection of God in that. Uh, mm-hmm. I I know what it is to not hope that God is going to be there, but absolutely have Him warning you. And, and guiding you and protecting you. I've seen that so many times. And I remember one occasion where some people that I didn't know invited me to dinner. Mm-hmm. And and I said, certainly. And uh, it was supposed to be in a few hours. And uh, and I came back into my house, which also serves as the church there, although mm-hmm. I worked throughout the whole country. But I, I went back into my place. And a lady that was working there, who doesn't usually comment on my personal life, said, I, I don't think you should go to that meeting. Uh, in Nicaragua, people sometimes invite you out, but then after, on your way home, people are waiting to kill you and rob you. Mm. And I, I really feel like you shouldn't go to this meeting. And I said, mm-hmm. well, are the people bad? And she said, I don't know the people. I don't know that they're bad, but I, I really, I think God is trying to warn us, you shouldn't go to this meeting. And I said, well, mm-hmm. if I had a fear of man, I wouldn't even be in Nicaragua, so I'm going to go. <laughs> And then I went to study to prepare for a, a message I was doing. And God showed me in the Word, you might remember the scripture, where he sent uh, the prophet uh, into uh, Israel. And he was saying to pass through a town, but don't stop and eat and drink with the people. Mm. And another prophet came along and said, no, come back to my house and eat and drink. And, and I'm a prophet of God, too. And God said it was okay for you to come. And he came and he shared with that guy. And on the way home, a lion was waiting for him and killed him and sat on his body. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought, my goodness, it's God confirming what she'd said, don't go to that meeting. <laughs> right. right. And I later learned that those people were bad people. Uh-huh. And I couldn't have known that at the time, but there are very specific examples like that where I believe God intervened and said, Joseph, don't do that. Don't go there. Be careful. Right. Go right or go left. And and if we believe that our God is a God who is faithful like that, even in business, uh, I'll bring it back to one Canadian point as a businessman, I, I used to argue with God over whether it was up to me to run the business or whether he was running it. And I remember times <laughs> when I would get angry with him and I'd say, well, you take these three accounts <laughs> and I won't. <laughs> I'll look after them, but I'm not going to do sales calls. I'm not going to push anything. You take them and I'll take these other ones and I won't pray about them, but I'll go really work them. <laughs> And, and of course, I didn't tell anybody else outside that, but I would watch and I'd say, okay, God, and I know it was a bad attitude, but, but I was trying to learn and understand who's in charge. Is it God or is it me? Yeah. And I think in Nicaragua, I've, I pushed my life in a sense to the limit where I need God to be there. So it's not like a game anymore. He really needs to uh, ride in and help me. And I've seen so many times when it was impossible for me to get through and he really does come in and, and rescue you, and he makes the difference. I've seen him heal people, even when I didn't believe. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when my faith was weak, and, and he still, for his glory, will will make you look good. <laughs> there, was, yeah. there was one poor, poor guy, his family had called me, and he was in his 60s, and they asked if I would come to pray for him. He had to leave town for four days, and uh, they needed me to pray for him. And he had been stumbling and forgetting who he was um, for yeah. the last month. Things were really bad. I thought, I, I want to have faith, but I'm afraid to pray for this guy because I think he's got a brain tumor or something, and I'm afraid he's not going to live. It sounds like he's mm-hmm. feeling fat. So I said to him, let's go to the doctor and uh, and, and you know get confirm uh, what you've got. He said, no, there's no time, and he didn't want to go. I said, well, I'll pay for it. Uh, we'll go to the doctor, and uh, then you'll have evidence of your miracle when God heals you. And he said, no, there's there's no time. He didn't want to go. So mm-hmm. uh, we had a brief prayer, and I was thinking that this guy probably is not going to live another four days. He seemed to be in bad shape. And uh, a mm-hmm. few days later, a lady came to me and said, Ramiro, this guy, Ramiro wanted to come and see you tonight, but he can't because he's at work, but he's going to come and see you tomorrow. <laughs> I said, Ramiro, I said, I said, is he okay at work? And she said, no, do you remember you prayed for him? God healed him. He's fine. He's back to work. (laughs) (laughs) I had a serious, serious, like he couldn't walk. His legs were uh, twitching, and and I I was not expecting to see this man again. But God faithfully healed that man, and it it certainly wasn't because of my great faith. But but (laughs) he learned to depend on God, and I think we have to do that with our businesses with our health and, and really believe that he is the God who does come through. Mm-hmm. Well, someone had the faith to to ask you to to uh, to make the prayer. At least, um, you know, they they started from a place of faith. Yes, somebody believed, and I and I did believe yeah. in God. But I'm saying I don't always have the plan. God does. No, I know. Yeah. I yeah. you know it it works. Um, in so many ways, I, I just learned to trust God. I will I will go speak to groups of five people. I train a lot of pastors now in the country, and I have a lot of larger mm-hmm. meetings where pastors come, and they've gotten to have some confidence in my teaching, so they will come and, and learn. But I remember uh, 
people inviting me to come to a church somewhere in the country, and I'll go preach to five people. I don't even ask how many there will be. I'll just go. And one time they said to me, will you preach at a particular service uh, for to celebrate the gospel being translated into Spanish? And I said, sure. You know, it's an annual thing. Mm-hmm. And the day before I went, they said, bring your truck. We're going to decorate it in the morning. I said, well, what for? They said, haven't you ever seen a caravan? I said, no. So they said, well, just come at 6 in the morning. And they decorated mm-hmm. up my truck. And they, they had about 400 vehicles driving through the capital city of Managua. Like Ooh. a big parade, and I was in the front. And cool. I'm thinking, what is, this, what is this event? You know, I'm going to preach at some church. What's the big deal? And this caravan, like a big parade, goes through the city for two cool. hours. And it goes to a huge auditorium, and I was speaking to thousands of people. <laughs> it was <laughs> this big event. And thank you, God, that he prepared a message with me that was that was good. Yeah. But I had, I had no idea. I thought, how do these things happen? And uh, <laughs> sometimes we, you know, we, we prepare the best we can, but God has greater plans than we would imagine. Uh, yeah, and... And you didn't you didn't ask enough questions in that case. <laughs> and, I, and I think the good thing is I like that, and I try and keep that innocence now. I try and keep more ah. trusting God, and less a little less of my planning, a little more of His. And yet I still have yeah. an, an operating business in Canada, showing people how to start businesses and how to grow their business. I'm, I don't think we have any excuse for not having wisdom. I think we need wisdom. I think we need to be wise with finance and with our businesses and our lives, but always understand that God can overrule that and God can yeah. intervene. Um, I, I, I still struggle a little bit as a, as a man about uh, the spiritual things. Uh, you might chuckle at this, but as a Canadian, I've always been a bit of a, uh, a practical guy. And I like the, the mm-hmm. wisdom side of things. I never really liked people who talked about spiritual warfare or demons. I was okay to preach about that, but I didn't really like it when they talked like that. I thought it was a little strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are four, off the top of my head, I can think of four things that I believed in Canada that were wrong or that I wasn't really living, even though I might have preached them. And one relates to that, and that is that I, I believe biblically in spiritual warfare. I didn't really believe it actually went on. I mm-hmm. never was in a situation in my life where I had to pray through something and found I was under spiritual attack. Until I'd been to Nicaragua, I'd never had that experience. And I think if you'd have told me that you were going through that in your life, I don't think I totally believed you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was in the Bible, but I'd never had to really fight through anything spiritually. We just buy what we need or we think our way through it. Um, right. I understand now there, there really is a spiritual battle going on. And uh, and I had been really oblivious to that. Uh, I think also mm-hmm. Jesus said that there's there's nothing good in the world. Uh, you you put yourself on the cross and 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 don't try and recover the good of the world. Um, uh, unless people are saved, there there's nothing of the flesh that pleases God, and nothing's going to go on to to heaven. I don't know that I totally believe that. I think I I must have preached that, but I think I probably believe that. Oh, there's a lot of good people, even if they're not Christian. They're nice. They're nice people, and and in the end, everything mm-hmm. will work out okay. Um, I don't believe that so much anymore. I think that I know in my own self, God has really been merciful to me and really blessed me, but not far under the surface as a carnal guy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm just shocked at what He'll do sometimes. <laughs> uh, 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll give you a, a really good example for me of that as a business person, and I'm sure many of the business people and financial people can relate to, to this uh, bit of a story. When I made the decision to go to Nicaragua, I prayed hard about it, and I was wealthy. I, I never had to work again. But I said to God, you know, if that's where you're going to send me, I am very happy to give everything. If I lose the money, if I go down, if I die, I'm very happy to renounce the world. I'm going to do whatever you want to do. And wow, I felt good about that. And I and I didn't mean to be arrogant. I, I really meant that with God. I prayed hard. I thought mm-hmm. hard about it. But I was really delighted that God was going to let me go serve him and give all I have. Mm-hmm. So I ended up shipping a few things down, but most of the things I, I just sold. And when I got to Nicaragua, it's a corrupt country, and the people in customs were holding on to my trailer full of stuff and playing games. And five okay. months later, I still didn't have my stuff. You're right. And here I am, the guy who had renounced the world. I don't care about money. I don't care about worldly things. And I was so angry. Struggling, I could have struggling to get your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought, what happened to that yep. saintly guy? <laughs> where, did that, where did that saintly guy go? And, and how just under the surface was this carnal guy who wants his stuff? And I was so ashamed yeah. of myself. I thought, boy, I'm not I'm not so heroic as I thought. Uh, God is gracious. But without the Holy Spirit, not far under the surface, still lurks that other guy who, who I don't like very much sometimes. And, uh, right. and I guess he'll be with me till I, I lay this down. But we need to remember that, and it does get relevant when I find in Nicaragua and I'm uh, working like this spiritually. Uh, you're well aware that uh, you're depending on God, but in all of us is somebody under the surface who is carnal. And that's true with our businesses in Canada. I think there's a there's a thread here for those of us who work in business and finance in Canada to mm-hmm. to be wise, to understand still God is even in yeah. charge of those things. And prayer mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. And there are great prayer victories happening in Canada. Uh, but we still have to have wisdom. But don't don't forget that God is in charge at the end of it all. Yeah. Right. And I think on that thought, we'll go to a break and uh, we'll want to hear more about, um, more about the church in Nicaragua when we come back from this message. a contribution that you dream of making in society planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate step right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you tune in for step right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on a AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our show today. It's called Lessons from Nicaragua, and my guest is John 
so tell us what is your favorite story to tell about um, life in Nicaragua? I don't know if it's one favorite story, but I'll say the the one of the event type things that we do frequently that I really enjoy is we will go to a community uh, that, as I mentioned, may not have running water or, or lights, but they may have a bunch of churches, and, and the churches there sometimes are a business. Not every not everyone who has a church is faithful. I, w- I would say it's uh, the minority. But we'll go to a community like that, and we will uh, bring a lunch for maybe 400 people and dinner, and it has to be cooked through the day, and we'll do some teachings in the morning and, and, and preach at night. But through the day, we'll also bring uh, baseballs and footballs and hula hoops, and, and not by just the church people, but all the neighbors. And we'll kind of try and share the love of Christ with the whole group. And some of these churches are not used to working together, and so they don't mm. often... If they're in different denominations, they won't work together. But because I'm a stranger, they won't say no to me. <laughs> when I invite them, they'll mm. say okay. Oh. And i got to say, it's a wonderful feeling when you're watching them all work together and they get it. And, and the neighbors come out and see all these different church people talking about Christ and love and actually loving one another. Um, it is an amazing thing. And, and, and the idea of, of cooking you know, you, you'll cook over a fire, the women will, for a few hours making this dinner, and everybody can smell it all over. Uh, so mm-hmm. so they'll all come out because they want to Okay. Yep. What, what the food. And and you see a side of people there that's it, it it's, it's just honest and it's open and, you know, they're curious, some of them, and they all have different problems in their lives. But it's what a great thing to watch people come together and just share, just plain share. There's no... There's no specific agenda or one denomination. It's just the love of God, and people are talking about why they're Christians or things God has done in their life. And and some people are just having fun and just enjoying being around church people for the first time in their life, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I I really, really enjoy that that sharing with people that way. And we we see a lot of people come to Christ through that. But I I think that's the fun part for me. I I really enjoy that. Right. I also would have to say I meet some amazing faithful uh, pastors. I don't know how some of these people do it because they don't have food, they don't have money. And on husband and wife teams, it's common that the pastor will work with his wife kind of as one pastor together. So the two of them will be in this together. And you know, these people have nothing, and they have great attitudes every day. And they're so faithful, and I don't know how they do it. uh, I'm I'm trying to learn that from them. But, you know, mm-hmm. they just have, they'll get up every day and praise God and get out and help people, but there's nobody really helping them. Uh, they don't have computers. They're not in touch with the outside world. They're just faithfully every day just just walking in, in the Holy Spirit and trying to share with people and help them in any way they can. And I'm really impressed with those people. Uh, it it mm-hmm. really is a great feeling to be around people like that, and I'm I'm hoping I'm learning something from them. And uh, I think I try mm-hmm. and make some contacts with people in Canada with some of those faithful pastors because I think they, they, they need to know they're not alone. And I think sometimes uh, that's the hardest thing for them is the feeling of being alone and nobody cares. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it helps them Oh, there's a church outside that can pray for them and care for them. And, sure. Uh, and they need any help they can get. But, but I have to be fair and say they're not generally looking for money, those people. 
uh, of course, those okay. things help. But what they're really looking for uh, just being part of the family and just feeling like they're not alone. And you got to love people like that, but it's amazing to watch their faithfulness and how God works right. with them. But when we get on those events with people like that and we go to these communities for a day or two days, I, I just have a, a great time. I love that. And it, it's a lot of fun, fun for us. And and what what have you what have you seen um, happen in some of these communities? Um, we you know, we be, have because seen, of the work. And, we have seen so many so many families restored, and so many um, people who are. Um, it, it's a rough community, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of there's a lot of killing, uh, a lot of. Um, uh, rapes of young children and things like that. So it's a it's it's a rough area, and I think when people actually start living for Christ, yes, the church changes as you'd expect, but the whole community can change, and and there's okay. a difference. And people people get cared for, and people who are hungry get looked after. Uh, I I notice particularly it's a hard place to be old. Um, when mm. people are older and they start having medical problems, they they, just, they really do just get left, and there's nobody to look after them and nobody takes them anywhere. And I noticed the Christians there really will pray for these people and I have seen with my own two eyes amazing healings that I have never seen in Canada. But what really impresses me is the love they'll show to go share with these people, to care for them, even maybe to take them to a doctor or find a way to get them somewhere for help. Um, And when they start doing things like that, you, you realize... Yes, Christ is making a difference in this community and these people, and it's wonderful. Uh, and it's a it's a love they don't have uh, without the Holy Spirit, and that that giving. And you see the community change, and and I see that okay. when the churches work together, churches that seen, had seen themselves as competitors before are now working hand in hand, even though they may meet different denominations. Okay. That, that's a wonderful right. feeling. It affects the whole community. Because uh, the churches who used to be enemies and not talk are now all working together. That, that's a great uh, thing for the community to see. But it makes the whole the whole community more fun too. Right, right, yeah. It 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 seems a strange thing to think of of churches as being competitors, but I suppose we see that in Canada to a certain extent as well. We do. Uh, I would say in Canada, a, a couple of points that I would like to make is that. I don't want to give people the impression that you become a better Christian because you get on a plane and go somewhere. Um, I am so grateful God let me go to Nicaragua. I'm so grateful for what he's doing in my life there. But we are not one bit stronger in Christ for flying to a foreign country. And my biggest problem on a personal note is when I get back to Canada, I turn into the business guy again. (laughs) And there's nothing Uh wrong with business. And yeah, certain no. Christians are in business, but but I don't want to lose what I've learned in the spirit and just start getting totally practical again. And uh, we we have that struggle here um, to to walk yeah. in the spirit and walk in faith, um, even though we may have money and we may have great resources. Um, I don't right. I don't want to lose that. In fact, one of the things we started doing in Nicaragua at our place is I have like a mini hotel, and it started. Uh, we started renting rooms because sometimes missionaries would come and we wanted to make sure they had a safe place and a secure place to stay. So sure. we started um, uh, bringing them down either free or at a minimal cost. It wasn't a profitable thing, 
but it was so that they could come with, with very low cost and to a safe place. Mm-hmm. I started inviting Canadians down, though, because I would get telling my friends in Canada stories about miracles I'd seen, and I don't know if they totally believed it. I don't think I would have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own two eyes. So we started saying mm-hmm. to people, come on down. You don't have to commit to a mission trip. If you want a month vacation, come down. It's a low-cost vacation. And the days you want, go out with one of the mission teams and see with your own two eyes what's going on. That way you don't have to commit, but you can enjoy whatever time you want. And that has been amazing because when people come and they actually see it, they are changed. Mm-hmm. So I've, right. I've actually found myself having more of a ministry in Canada than I ever expected. But uh, not by teaching yes. them as much as just make the invitation. Because I think most Christians in Canada do want to believe all that. They want to have that experience. They don't know how. They, they haven't been in that spot the same as I was. If they had that chance, well, that would be transforming. They hope these things are true, but they can't believe it just because I say so. But if they get a chance right. to go and see with their own two eyes, that is transforming. And uh, mm-hmm. so we that's become now a part of the ministry. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think an important piece because I think there are faithful people here. So the lessons in in Nicaragua have changed your faith, but as you bring Canadians down to Nicaragua, you believe it changes their faith as well? It it absolutely changes them, the same way that I've seen the change happen in me. I I don't think I would have believed it if I hadn't seen it myself. And I, I preached the right things. I said the right words. And I was sincere. I was absolutely, and I was saved but I really didn't understand because I hadn't, I'd never actually seen those things. But they were available mm-hmm. all along. I just didn't know to pray for them. I didn't know God was that big and that active in my life. I'm so grateful for that now. And I can't show that to you in conversation in Canada, but, but if there's a way for you to see it with your own two eyes and get a chance to go out and actually walk in that, well, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. And, and you do sure. come back different. When I first went down there, I had no intention to buy a farm and, and have a full-time ministry. I went down one time for one mission trip. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea God was calling me to this. Uh, that would have scared the daylights out of me. I, I had no intention at all of that. I, it was a one-time trip for me. But once I was there, then I, I kind of got pulled in and kind of fell in love with the, the people and the church there and and then it gets its own life. Yeah, one step at a time. <laughs> one step at a time, and but, but we have an amazing God. And, I, and I've seen, it, it's a different subject, but I have seen the same thing happen with businesses. I think sometimes God will call people to a business in Canada in order to make them independent and give them that opportunity mm-hmm. to do some mission work and have free time. And I think those same prayer principles of how God will miraculously intervene in a business or in your life to give you the life and the freedom to serve him here. Um, sometimes okay. it's harder to serve in Canada than it is in Nicaragua. It's easier to be a hero in Nicaragua. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. It, it is. And I and I want to say that to anybody who might be listening, because I, cause I think people do get the impression sometimes that we become stronger Christians because we flew somewhere. And, um, and I do get that sometimes it's harder to be a faithful Christian at home. The, the one thing in Kitchener, where I am right now, is that we, we don't feel the need to pray for our breakfast. 
And when you right. start getting sick, we don't feel the need to urgently pray for your health because, you know, we have doctors and we have money for breakfast and we can go to the drive through or whatever we want to do. So we, we don't mm-hmm. tend to pray very hard here. And I think that's what mm-hmm. happens in places like Nicaragua is you're forced to pray and then mm-hmm. you get answers and you, you really start right. believing. Yeah. So so what are the clearest messages that, that you have seen to to tell Canadians? I would say if we had the chance to listen to God, and and I mean that sincerely, uh, I remember an old-time pastor in Canada years ago, uh, I heard that uh, he had seen many healings, and I I met him, and I I wanted to hear his story. And uh, he Mm -hmm. said that he never prayed for healing for anybody unless God told him to, because he didn't want to go counter to, to God's will. And I said, well, how do you hear his voice? What kind of voice does he have? Like, how do you, how do you hear God's voice? And uh, right. I remember him saying to me, he said, you know, son, some people, they just talk and talk and talk. They never shut up. He said, the most important part of prayer is listening. It's not what you have to say. It's what he has to say. And, you know, mm-hmm. I never considered that. I never. I only talk when I pray. I would never considered listening. Nobody ever taught me that. Mm-hmm. That was new. I would say mm-hmm. today, when I personally pray, it's almost all listening, and it's okay. less talking. Um, mm-hmm. I would say if there's one thing that has changed my life more than anything, it is it is that piece. Is before I do anything, during my day, in the morning, whenever I find myself listening, listening hard to God, what what should I do about this? What are you trying to tell me? And I I tell him a lot less than I used to, and I listen a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just a cute quote. I, I, I don't think I could get through my days if I didn't hear from him. Um, yeah. And, and it's a very practical thing. Um, one time in a church, I was I was uh, calling people at the end of the, there was an altar call at the end of the service, and I called people ahead if they wanted to know Christ. And people always come for healing, although I don't have a healing ministry, but I'll pray for people for healing, and sometimes it happens. And uh, so people, a bunch of people came forward, and I went to pray over a lady that wanted healing, and I, I started to put my hand on her head, and clearly, and this doesn't happen to me often, but clearly God said to me, you can't pray for this lady, and he even said to me, she has to do something first, and when she does it, I'll pray, I'll heal her immediately, but you can't mm-hmm. pray for her for healing. I thought, oh man, how do I say this to her? What do I do? <laughs> and I said to her, look, I, I can't pray for you for healing. I think you have to do something first. And when you do it, God will heal you immediately. I said, do you know what I mean? And she said, yes. She said, I, I know I shouldn't have come. I'm really sorry for doing that. I knew that. <laughs> I said, do you know what it is? She said, oh, I know. <laughs> really? I, I didn't know this lady. I'd never been in that church before. But right. from things like that, I understood that my will isn't necessarily God's will. And I'm learning, you know, I'm, I get a lot farther ahead if I listen first to what he wants to do instead of telling him yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, that's a very, very, very cool point. Um, is is there a way um, that Canadians can help, and how how would people learn more about Nicaragua if they um, if they wanted to know? We're just in the last few minutes of the show here now, so um, just just your final thoughts. I have a website, um, ecdcint.com. And that stands for El Cuerpo de Cristo, or the Body of Christ International.com. So ecdcint.com. We have not.
gone out looking for donations and we don't have sponsors. But as the ministry goes, we could certainly uh, use that. But our main goal is that people would spiritually share with what's going on in Nicaragua. We need to be a family. Uh, we need to help each other. And we know we're a body together. So any opportunity we have to share the stories of what's happening in Nicaragua to help people to grow in their faith, we need to do that. And that's not just for me. We we all do. And I appreciate you're doing that with me today. You're giving me that opportunity to share with the family. I'm so grateful for that. Anything that we can all do like that, and I see that as my mission in Canada, is to introduce the whole family together and get when they meet each other they'll they'll learn these things and they'll learn to walk in the spirit but we could certainly use prayer of course we're always happy for any donations but we don't really work that hard if somebody if somebody could give we're certainly appreciative of that but we don't uh we don't put people on that point that has to come from from their heart but thanks so much for this opportunity today it, it has meant a, a great deal to me and uh, it is a real blessing to the people that we serve down there uh, who really need that help and, and that support. And anybody uh, here that wants to ever get to know them or can help them in any way, it's appreciated. So Beautiful. Um... Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time. Mm-hmm.